Thank you, Zach. Good morning. We've been going through a a little mini-series on how God leads His church through shepherding. And we've been using, just as a framework, I've been using um, this book by Tim Whitmer. Our elders took uh, this past year to go through this book. Uh, And in that, the, the framework, the grid for understanding biblical leadership is that a good shepherd knows, feeds, leads, and protects his sheep. And we saw that the very first week in Psalm 23. That God is the shepherd par excellence, right? He is the one who perfectly knows, feeds, leads, and protects his sheep. And then last week, Zach took us to Ezekiel 34, where we see the exact opposite. Uh, That bad leaders don't do any of those things. In fact, to to quote one author, uh, they care for the fleece more than the flock, that uh, bad leaders are in leadership for themselves and they take advantage of the sheep. Uh, but God condemns and judges those shepherds, those bad shepherds, and promises to bring, uh, to do it himself, to bring a new shepherd like David. And that's what we see in John 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is claiming to be the shepherd that his people need. And so today, uh, we are going to look at 1 Peter 5. We're going to kind of bounce back and forth between John and 1 Peter uh, to see what kind of leaders God, uh, what does God expect out of the leaders of his church? What does it look like at the local level? And we're going to use that same grid, know, feed, lead, and protect. Now, that may seem a little bit like reading somebody else's mail, right? Kevin, that's great. You're going to talk about what elders are supposed to be. But what does that have to do with me? I'm not an elder. Well, on the one hand, uh, when we talk about uh, maybe you're a prospective elder. Um, so you begin to evaluate where you fall into those categories, or since in our system of government, we nominate elders this this sermon ought to tell you the kind of people to be looking for. What ought an elder to be? What ought an elder to do? Um, but I think even beyond that, you can take this grid, these four words, and you can apply it to leadership outside of the church. What does it mean to be a good boss or supervisor? What does it mean to be a good mom or dad? A good mayor, community leader, a good governor, a good president. I guarantee you that if you take those four words that a a leader, a good leader, knows, feeds, leads, and protects, you will never go wrong. You will never go wrong. That That is a biblical model of good leadership. So if you would, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. It's towards the end of the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, please grab the one that's in the, uh, the, the rack there in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take that one home and make it your own. It's yours. You can take it. Uh, we're going to be on page 1016 of that Bible. 1 Peter chapter 5. 
And let's give attention to God's Word. I'll be reading verses 1 through 4. Peter says, So, I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is God's word. Let's go to him and ask him to help us understand it and apply it. Let's pray. Father, we live by your word. And so we pray that you would help us this morning, that this word would come off the page, that it would come with power to our hearts, that it would transform us, that in it we would see our Savior Jesus and our deep need of Him. We pray it in His matchless name. Amen. Eldering uh, may be a bit of a mystery to you, particularly if you uh, don't come out of a church background that, or if you're not familiar with church at all, right? When, uh, when I use the word elder, uh, you may think of something tribal, right? Oh, the tribal elders. Uh, or, or you may think, oh, this applies only to older people in the church. But this was a term uh, that the early church used to talk about those who led the church. Uh, and so Peter here gives some instructions to us that we may know, he actually speaks directly to elders, uh, that they may know how it is they are to be elders, what it is they are to do. But what we're going to see, uh, kind of our main idea for today, is that elders work for the good shepherd. And that's, that's an important key point. Elders work for Jesus. Uh, they, they, they don't take over for Jesus. They are not Jesus. They work for Him. In one sense, they are, ju- they are sheep, just like the rest of the congregation, uh, but they work for Jesus. And they work for Jesus by knowing, feeding, leading, and protecting Jesus' people in Jesus' name. This is, it's gonna come home quite clearly. Uh, that this is all about Jesus. We're constantly redirecting to Jesus. So we're gonna, we're gonna answer two questions today, uh, through this passage. First, who are the elders? And second, what do elders do? Who are the elders? And what exactly do elders do? The reason, by the way, I should have mentioned this earlier, that we're going through this series is that we're starting something or really kind of restarting something we've done before called shepherding groups here at Grace Fellowship. So that if you are a member of Grace Fellowship, you uh, will be uh, shepherded by a particular elder. Now, that's something we've done in the past, but not with a whole lot of accountability or clarity. Uh, and we believe that actually this model isn't just something that we do, uh, but it goes back centuries. That this is actually what it means to be a part of the church, is to be shepherded by the elders. Uh, but who are the elders? 
Look there at the first two verses that Peter uses. He says, I exhort, encourage, uh, challenge the elders among you, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God, exercising oversight. Peter uses three words. Elders, he calls them elders. He calls them shepherds. And he calls them overseers. So we're going to look at each one of those and talk about what they mean. That word elder, uh, it's where we get the word Presbyterian from. Okay? So simply, uh, to be a Presbyterian church means to be governed, means to be ruled by elders. That's what the word means. That's its basic meaning. Uh, and among you, shepherd the flock of God among you, I encourage the elders among you, uh, implies that these leaders, these elders, come from the congregation itself. And that's exactly what we see in the book of Acts, uh, which is a history of the early church as it's being born, that as churches are being planted around the Mediterranean Sea, the main church planter, Paul, appoints elders, and he appoints more than one, that, that these local congregations are to be led not by one pastor, but they are to be led by groups of elders, that there is more than one. And that these elders, Peter says, are to shepherd. They are to shepherd God's sheep. Our word pastor comes from the word, uh, comes from this word to shepherd. And we'll explain a little bit more about that description in a minute under our second and in our second question. So he is the elder is a shepherd, and he is an overseer. Do you see that where Peter says he exercises oversight? Uh, literally, somebody who looks over. This word could be used militarily of an officer who would come through the ranks inspecting them. In the Bible's use, it's a little bit more tender than that. Right, but somebody who is looking over the flock, inspecting them, making sure that they're okay. Uh, this is where we get our the word episcopal and bishop from. Now, if you drive down church history lane just a little bit, what you see happening is that uh, levels of leadership called bishops begin to emerge later in church history. Uh, and so maybe if you're familiar with the Methodist or Roman Catholic or Episcopal branches of the church, they get their terminology from this. But it's interesting that in the New Testament, uh, the bishops aren't a, a second or different tier of leadership, but that the elders, shepherds, and bishops, the overseers, are the same person. Those three words apply to the same person. They don't describe three different people. They apply to the same person. You see that here in 1 Peter 5. You see it in Titus 1, uh, verses 5 through 9, where Paul describes to Titus the ideal elder. And he also uses the word overseer, right? So those are overlapping terms, which is why we don't use the word bishop. Um, so... Elders, to summarize all of that fun stuff, elders are shepherds who oversee the flock. They oversee God's flock. Elders are shepherds who oversee, who care for Jesus' sheep. What does that look like? Well, that's our second question. What exactly do elders do? If elders are, are overseeing shepherds, how does that, what does that look like? When Peter says, shepherd the flock, what does it mean to shepherd? Shepherd. 
What does it mean to tend God's sheep? Well, since they're God's sheep, maybe we should get our direction from God. Uh, It was an odd Christmas present to be sure. Uh, My friend uh, Michael, I believe, was uh, 12 or 13 at the time. And, uh, and he got a, it was a small box wrapped with his name under the tree. Uh, and as he unwrapped it and opened it, it was a house key. It was a key ring with a house key on it. Um, and you may be thinking, probably like Michael thought, that that is a really lame Christmas gift. Uh, did dad just not have anything else on the list? He gave me a house key. Uh, but it was, Yes, of course, a practical gift. It, it was a symbolic gift, right? What Michael's dad told him was that you're getting older now and it's time to entrust you with a little bit of authority. And so that key symbolized uh, Michael's access to the house, right? Uh, he was being entrusted with a little bit of responsibility. Now, it wasn't his house, right? It's still his parents' home. It belonged to them, But they were entrusting him with access to it. Paul, in a similar fashion, says that elders are God's stewards. Uh, If you've ever watched Downton Abbey, uh, you know what the steward is supposed to do, right? The steward is not the owner. He is not the owner of the house. He is not the Lord. Uh, But he runs the estate. He runs the house in the Lord's name, in the master's name. And that is the function of the elder. He has been entrusted with the key to God's house. It is not his. The house does not belong to him. But he is responsible for caring for it in the Lord's name. How do, uh, how does Jesus, so how how would Jesus care for his sheep? And how do elders reflect that care? First, elders know. Jesus says in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Is that not one of the fundamental human needs to be known? Uh, We are born into families. We are born being known. And as we grow, we come to know. Uh, even, even the most, uh, most hardened introvert among us wants to be known by someone. And Jesus says, I know my own, and my own know me. In 1027, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The shepherd knows which sheep are his. He knows their condition. He knows their tendencies. Which ones are homebodies? Which ones run for the hills every chance they get? He knows their weaknesses. He knows their strengths. And, Jesus says, the sheep know their shepherd. Now, how can you tell which sheep belong to which shepherd? Jesus says, they know my voice and they follow me. I encourage you to uh, to look this up on YouTube. 
I showed this to uh, to the kids last semester when we uh, ta- were talking about Jesus as shepherd. Uh, it's a video of uh, of sheep responding to their shepherd's voice, right? So the the scene is you you basically have a a pasture and all of these sheep out in the pasture eating grass, and you've got a fence there, and this looks like a, a tourist group. So there's a group of people standing there, uh, and the shepherd encourages one of the one of the tourists. He tells that person what exactly to say, and he says, "All right, call the sheep." And so with a little bit of hesitation. Uh, the, the tourist begins shouting out, belting out what the shepherd told her to say. And what do the sheep do? Not a thing. Right? They just stand there and keep eating. They have, they, they pay no attention whatsoever to this perfect stranger who is calling out to them. Right? And so then they do it a second time, right? Another guy steps up. Again, the shepherd tells him what to say. And, and he, with a little bit more enthusiasm, uh, calls out to the sheep. And what do the sheep do? Not a thing. They just keep on munching, right? Probably thinking like, why are those people yelling at us? Right? And then it's the most remarkable thing. The shepherd walks up to the fence and just begins calling. And one by one, these heads start popping up, right? And they start running for the fence running to the shepherd, calling their voice. The shepherd know the voice of the sheep. They know their master. They know who knows them. They know who owns them. And so elders must know who belongs to Jesus. And we know by seeing who responds to Jesus' call. Which means a couple of things. One, elders must be sheep themselves who have responded and who respond to Jesus' call. They must be familiar with Jesus' words and they must lead others with Jesus' call. It is not the job of the shepherd to come up with his own opinions and to lead Jesus' sheep with their own voice. They must call with Jesus' voice. Second, elders feed. Elders feed God's sheep. How does God feed His sheep? Moses in Deuteronomy 8.3 tells Israel that the reason they were given manna in the wilderness is so that they would be humbled and learn to trust. And he says these words, learn to trust that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That God feeds His people through His Word. Now, it gets more interesting with Jesus in John chapter 6. Jesus referencing that moment in Old Testament history says this. John chapter 6, 32 through 35. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And that's weird. God's bread, the bread of heaven, is a person. It is a He who comes down and gives life to the world. 
And so the crowds Jesus is talking to say, sir, give us this bread always, right? We want that. Here's what Jesus says. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. How does God feed his sheep? Through his word, focused on Jesus. Jesus is the sum and center of God's word. Look, we're not interested in raising Bible scholars. Okay? Now, knowing the word, knowing the Bible is key. But knowing the Bible and not knowing the Savior to whom it points is useless. So yes, Bible knowledge, good. Bible knowledge that leads to knowing Jesus better. Right? And so, elders, elder shepherds, feed God's sheep with God's word. And even more than that, point God's sheep again and again to the bread of life himself, Jesus. That's where we find our real sustenance. That's where we find real satisfaction in regularly feasting on Jesus himself. Every day, right? We want to be led to repenting of our sin and trusting in Jesus. Always relying and feeding on him. Elders know. Elders feed. Elders lead. Going back to John 10, verses 3 and verse 9, Jesus describes himself as the door of the sheep, as the shepherd who comes in and goes out, who leads out to pasture where they can find life, right? He is the one who leads his sheep out into green pasture. He's the one who leads them back into the pen so that they can be protected. Now, an elder isn't Jesus, thank goodness, So how exactly does he lead God's sheep in Jesus' name? How does an elder lead? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11.1, he says, Be imitators of me, this is crucial, as I am of Christ. Paul says, follow me, imitate me, but only as I follow Christ. Right? The good leader, the good shepherd, the good elder is simply a channel for pointing others to Jesus. That means they're ready repenters. That means they're ready, ready, uh, readily humble themselves. They know where they fall short. They never put themselves up on a pedestal and say, look at me. They always say, look at Jesus. Peter says here in verse 3 that elders are not to domineer over those in their care. They don't threaten. They don't carry a baseball bat and say, you better listen to me or else. Rather, Peter says, they are examples to the flock. Elders lead the sheep by following Jesus themselves and by patterning their lives after his That's why Paul tells us what kind of men to look for in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And it's interesting that if you read those descriptions, you won't find anything about what exactly the elder is to do. No instructions about good business management or financial management. uh, Nothing of the sort, no administration there. Now to have those things is to have icing on the cake to be sure. 
But what matters most, right? What we're, what we're hunting is what, uh, is for what Tim Whitmer calls grace generated integrity. Grace generated integrity. We are hunting for men whose lives consistently display the Lord Jesus. They point not to themselves, but to their Savior. Elders know, elders feed, elders lead, elders protect. Again, Jesus, John ten eleven. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's interesting that in contrast to that, Jesus describes the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy, and the hired hand, who as soon as the wolf comes in the field, runs the opposite direction and leaves the sheep in danger. Jesus says that's not the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives life to the sheep. He does not run away from danger. He stands between the sheep and the threat. An elder protects Jesus also says in John 10, 28 and 29, that he gives eternal life to his sheep. And no one is able to snatch them out of his hand. Jesus' Jesus's sheep are secure in him. And so elders want to point people to the, to the shepherd who makes them eternally secure. First Peter describes the character of the shepherd there in verse 2. It says he serves not under compulsion, but willingly. He doesn't do the job simply because there's no one else to do it. He doesn't do the job because, well, if you're going to make me, no one else will. I guess I will. He does the job because he wants to. And he doesn't do it for dishonest gain. He doesn't do it out of a love of money. Or a love of prestige. Or for social or political capital. A good elder is not extorting the flock for his own personal, material, or social benefit. Those men, the men who lead that way, are thieves, robbers, and hired hands. The faithful under-shepherd... Instead, expects his reward from Jesus on the last day. Look at verse 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Crown is talking about the the wreath uh, that a victorious athlete would receive for winning the race. Or it's talking about uh, when a Roman general would bestow a crown on a warrior who had fought valiantly in battle. An elder doesn't look to temporary gain and reward for his own benefit. He looks forward to the day when his king appears and says, well done. That is the reward of the shepherd who protects Jesus' sheep. So elders lead by example, not by force. And they lead by pointing people again and again to the good shepherd who is our only security. But Jesus adds a curious dimension to protecting the sheep. And we'll close with this thought. 
He says that he lays his life down. He dies. Now, uh, shepherding, to be sure, uh, is probably dangerous. Right? You have to fight off predators. You have to protect uh, your herd from poachers. Right? So that could put your life in harm's way. Uh, But self-sacrifice seems a little bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? I mean, after all, what good is a dead shepherd to the surviving sheep? What good, what use is a dead shepherd? But Jesus is unique. Yes, uh, the elders may often have to put themselves uh, in harm's way to protect God's sheep. But Jesus is unique in this. Because the greatest danger that you and I face is not physical. The greatest danger that you and I face is not physical, but spiritual. The greatest danger, your greatest danger, is not cancer or a car accident. It is the wrath of God. Me and you, we're sinners, born enemies of God, traitors, liars, murderers, cheats. And if no one intervenes, then you will face God's wrath. You will face God's perfect judgment on the last day. And it will cost you your life. But Jesus lays His life down for the sheep. He places Himself on the altar to satisfy God's wrath. He takes your place. The shepherd takes the place of the sheep so that you may experience abundant life in Him forever. And then He says, I lay my life down that I may take it up again. Jesus' resurrection is the exclamation point on His cross. It is God's way of saying, I accept what Jesus has done. Enter in to the reward. Or in the words of Philip Bliss from 1875, Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement can it be. Hallelujah. What a Savior. If you have never known the Good Shepherd, if you have never known what it means to be known, to be fed, to be led and protected, don't look at me. Don't look at any of the men here whom we call elder. Look to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Hear His voice today and be saved. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you that you are the good shepherd.
that you provide for us uh, what it means uh, to be led, to be known. You provide in yourself the greatest example of leadership we have ever seen because you provide in yourself life. Father, as we come to your table, we pray that you would take common bread and common juice and that you would set it apart by that mysterious and special means, this means of grace, that as we taste bread and taste grape juice, that we would remember the shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. And that you, Holy Spirit, would use it to strengthen and nourish us as we continue to follow your voice. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.